our bodies are designed to move. And if we can move them, we experience so much more joy and bring so much more joy to others. This is a podcast about the adventures of wild women. And through our adventures, we become wild women. We'll get into the heart of what adventure is all about and share stories from the wild women who inspire us to reach higher and dig deeper. We'll shine a spotlight on the mystery of places in the world we've encountered in our travels and where we're dreaming of going next. All women are invited to go wild with us. Welcome. Welcome back to the Adventures of Wild Women podcast. We've had an awesome summer break and we've been out for some adventures around the world. And now we're plugging back in to share some new episodes with amazing wild women. I am so excited to share this conversation with you. Okay, have you ever met someone perhaps from a faraway land and felt this instant resonance and recognition that they were a sister from another mister? That's how I felt when I discovered Die Westaway. Dai is the chief adventure chick, as she likes to call herself, and founder of Wild Women on Top and Coast Trek. She's a global leader, an award-winning woman of influence, and has inspired women through shared hiking adventures in Australia and beyond, while raising over 20 million for charity. Dai is passionate about helping women lead adventurous lives they love, so naturally we hit it off and had a great chat about living with purpose, staying active, and wild women taking on the world. Let's meet our guest. Dai, I'm so happy to have you here on the Adventures of Wild Women podcast. I've been following you for many years, ever since I first discovered you, I think through a, a photo of you doing a handstand <laughs> on a mountaintop in Nepal and, and, uh, and, and saw your um, organization in Australia, Wild Women on Top. And I thought, oh my, wild women, there are others out there. <laughs> <laughs> Who is this wild woman, Di Westaway? And so I, uh, I was so excited to connect with you and uh, find out that indeed there are many, many wild women down there in Australia and of course all over the world. So um, I'm so happy that we finally get a chance to really chat more today. And um, you're in Australia right now, keeping, keeping cool in the wintertime. Yes, indeed. And there are many wild women around the world, as you say, and it's really super exciting when you connect with a kindred spirit. So um, it's, it's great to be here. And, um, you know, I've loved um, looking at the wonderful things that you do with your wild women expeditions um, and all that leaping outside your comfort zone stuff mm -hmm. is just gold. And we definitely share, you know, a common connection with the importance of that for leading a really full, joyful life. Yeah. I, you know, I feel like there is this sense of, of kindred spirit or sisterhood that comes up when women claim this, I feel, badge of honor as wild women. And what does that mean to you? Why did you choose wild women um, as a name for, for what you do, what you put out in the world? And why does this um, title wild women really resonate for you? 
I love that you called it a badge of honour. I haven't ever thought about it quite like that, but you're right. And we have, um, I, I, I won't go into detail about how our programs work, but we have had women over the last 20 years that we've been in operation um, who have, you know, popped in and joined us for various different things and then, you know, gone off and, you know, um, spread that energy, the ripples that within their own communities. And they call them, they continue, even if they join other groups that are closer to where they live or that have an ongoing um, activity they want to be part of, they still call themselves wild women. And you're right, it is a badge of honour. And what I love about it, uh, I, I actually, when I first started working in this space, which was getting women outdoors and getting fit in the outdoors, I my business was called Fit for Adventure. And then I realised that, that, that men weren't really interested in what I offered. They thought it was a bit strange to want to go out in, in, in the dark uh, with a backpack on, with your head torch on, running up and down hills and stairs so that you could get fit to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. They thought that was weird because they thought if you wanted to climb Mount Kilimanjaro, you would just go and hire a, a, a guide and a porter and do it. Whereas women were like, yeah, this is great because I'm going to make sure I know what to wear and I'm going to make sure I'm fit and strong. And um, so anyway, that moved to me realising that um, that it, what I was offering appealed to women a lot more than men. So I thought, okay, well, this we really need to reflect this in the name of what we're doing and wild was about being outdoors in the wilderness, in the wild, in nature, uh, you know, where surprising things happen, where you can't control everything around you. You've got the weather and you've got nature and you've got the birds and the bees and the animals and the spiders and the snakes and all those fun things to challenge you. So um, it was wild and it was women because, uh, uh, you know, men weren't very interested in what I was offering. And, of course, we really like the on-top piece because we love the view from the top of a mountain. The view is always better when you're on top. So the Wild Women on Top broke a few branding rules where they say, oh, that's too long or that's too that's a bit too cheeky, um, and we went with Wild Women on Top. Love it. <laughs> you know, we, we, we often get asked, oh, Wild Women, you know, what, what, what's that all about? Like it's some kind of a, you know, kinky sex club or, <laughs> and, and I say, no, 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 we're not, we're not that kind of wild women. We're the nature loving, <laughs> active, outdoorsy, exploring wild women. Um, but uh, you got to be careful if you, if you Google wild women, as I'm sure you, you know. Oh, well, you do, you do. And I, and I often like you have a caveat when people, when I say, Google, I say Google us and I tell people to make sure you include the wild women on top because as you would find if you just google wild women or if you just google um women on top <laughs> you're going to get um you're going to get you know um raised eyebrows um from anybody watching your screen <laughs> oh warning caution to our to our listeners Care, careful yes. what you google you, you might get yes. some other kinds of things that are definitely not what we mean by wild women yeah. but um but we do have that shared mission um I feel of getting women outdoors, active, exploring, adventuring, whether they're traveling or in your case, whether they're doing these um, treks in these group challenges, getting outside, walking, hiking. Um, it's, it's really about the connection to other women and the connection to nature. I, I feel like you have always truly been a wild woman, but you've said that you felt before 50, you felt like you really 
didn't start the life that you're leading right now until you were 50. And I'm so curious to hear your before story. Um, And I want to hear more about your after story. But tell me what it means to you um, to say that your life really began at 50. What what life? How? (gasps) Well, um, yeah, I I wasn't, I, I guess I must have always had an adventurous spirit. But I certainly didn't have um, a, a background of hiking or family camping or any of the things that quite often would lead somebody to want to go exploring in the outdoors as, as a 50-year-old. <laughs> um, but, the, but a key tipping point happened as I approached my 40th birthday, which um, I think like many women, 40 is a real Oh, well, for me, <laughs> it was a real turning point. And um, it, it, I was, at the time I approached my 40th birthday, I was in a dysfunctional marriage and I was miserable. I had two young children. I was on that working mum treadmill where life was just really go to work, come home, cook dinner, you know, read, read a bedtime story, put the kids to bed, repeat. And I wasn't um, exercising. I wasn't, you know, getting outside. Um, and at, at the time, I didn't quite realise how much um, physical activity was important to my mental health. I had been a phys ed teacher um, as a younger woman, so I knew the value of exercise, but I always thought exercise was about keeping me fit. I didn't think exercise was about my mental health. So at 40, um, I um, got permission, because at the time it was a permission thing from my um, now ex-husband to go and climb Mount Aconcagua, which is the highest mountain in the Southern Hemisphere. You'd know it probably. It's in South America in the Andes. Mm -hmm. And I talked my best friend into joining me because she was feeling a bit flat too with with life generally. Uh, And I wouldn't say we had anxiety or depression, but we definitely weren't flourishing. Um, And so we went off, we got fit, you know, we worked out what, we found out what crampons were and we got these huge packs and we worked out what to put in them. And, you know, we thought that we'd get fit by going to the local surf club and pushing a few weights and, you know, going going on a few bushwalks. Anyway, um, we we went off to climb this mountain and, and to cut a very long story short, we failed to get to the top of the mountain, but we had the most extraordinary adventure on the way. We just like, it was surprise and delight around every corner. It was also a lot of suffering, a lot of, you know, physical, um, not torture, but definitely <laughs> unpleasantness. You know, there was times when we thought we might die. We were in a very, very remote part of the world um, on the side of this mountain and, and, and people did die on this mountain while we were there. So we took that we were city girls who took ourselves into something into a very remote place. But um, after after getting over that sense of failure that we both felt when we got back, because you know all of our friends wanted to know how we went on this big mountain. Of course, we went well. We, you know, we didn't succeed. We didn't get to the top. Um, we kind of we both kind of went well. We didn't do that, but wow, what did we do? What did we discover? And, and we both realised that the. Um, the the goal, a compelling, challenging adventure goal with a friend is something that will motivate you to fit your exercise and your physical activity in and to get yourself outside when life as a working mum can be overwhelmingly busy. So um, that was the real learning. And then by the time I got, and it led to me then starting a little hiking group, you know, with the local school mums, and that led to me by the time I was 50, to having this um, this little group of women on the northern beaches of Sydney that would put their backpacks on, 
at night time and for three hours after the kids went to bed, we'd go out hiking and get fit for these big adventures like climbing Mount Kilimanjaro or Everest Base Camp, um, et cetera. Um, so by the time I was 50, I had experienced this outdoor thing, but I hadn't got all the, all the pieces of my life, I guess, together <laughs> um, in the lead up to that. And I had this realisation that rather than being terrified of 50 and hating the thought of turning 50 and wanting it to just go away, I was actually excited about turning 50. Like, it was like, wow, I'm going to be 50 and I'm going to be in, in um, Kathmandu, you know, with a bunch of wild women and we're going to trek up to Everest Base Camp and maybe even go up to Advanced Base Camp. And it was just this whole different um, outlook on ageing and um, on the fact that, that my life was beginning at 50 you know by then I had a um you know my little hobby that my little hobby business of wild women on top was actually making enough money for me to pay myself <laughs> was no longer living below the poverty line as a single mum with three children um so yeah it was a, it was a great time of celebration and joy um to turn 50 with uh you know have to have come from such a bad place as I turned 40 to such a good place as I turned 50. Mm-hmm. You know, I love so much hearing stories of women who are years, sometimes decades older than me, because, you know, my experience with um, the women who have been going on our Wild Women Expeditions trips is that the women who are in their, you know, six decade, seventh decade, uh, mm-hmm. their 80s, they're the kind of most badass women. <laughs> I mean, there are women that go on our trips in their 70s. So a yeah, couple, couple decades, uh, you know, further along than me. Um, and they, they are doing things that would, would challenge me that I aspire to. And I think that there's a certain kind of just letting go of of a lot of the inhibitions that I see, um, especially women um, 50 plus, that actually makes me look forward to getting into that stage of my life um, in a way that, you know, when when I was in my 20s and 30s, you just kind of dread 40 and oh, then now I'm in my 40s. And oh, I, I just, there's a very pessimistic story about what it means to move through life and get into those, uh, those golden years, you know, so to hear women like you talk about how life begins at 50. Uh, <laughs> it, it makes me excited. It makes me excited about all of the ways uh, that that I can look forward and not, um, yeah. not try to hold on to this, um, this illusion of youth, because it's really about vitality. And we talked about calling this, uh, this episode, the the joy of ageless vitality. And what does that really mean to you to live with vitality and joy? And it's not about, as you say, just getting fit so that you have uh, a bikini body. (laughs) It's really about infusing your life with energy and and happiness so what what is this kind of adventurous living giving you that um that you feel like has has really changed your life in a positive way well it it it, uh, it all i think it all hinges on 
um, maintaining the ability of your body to move. And, and that's a physiological thing. It's also a psychological thing because we know the mind, body and spirit are all connected. And if you can um, fall in love with health and fitness in a way that allows it to be fun, so not arduous, not hard, not, oh, not another workout, not that, but woohoo, I can't wait to get out on my bike or I can't wait to get out on that hike. And if, if you can keep your body moving, because our bodies are designed to move, and if we can move them, we experience so much more joy and bring so much more joy to others. So, so to me, aging is about um, engaging in daily rituals or daily practices that keep our mobility, keep our power, keep our strength, so that we can do whatever we want to do. And in doing that movement, we know from science, it shows us that the body is creating these hormones, um, endorphins um, and um, various different hormones that, that do trigger this joy, this joyful experience. And I think a lot of people, even younger than 50, who don't move their bodies very often, don't know how much joy you can experience as a human being because they've never actually felt it or maybe they haven't felt it since childhood. So it's being able to be a kid again. It's being able to do a handstand on the mountaintop just because you can. It's, it's being able to climb up on the roof and, 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 you know, sweep the leaves off and clean the gutters without being frightened of falling off. Um, it's being able to climb a beautiful tree when you walk past one because you know when you get to the top of the tree you'll be able to look out and go, oh, wow, like, look over there, you know. Um, so that's what it's all about is maintaining youth, like youthful vitality um, because it brings you joy and it, and it ensures that you can remain um, a capable, um, purposeful human for your, for your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tell me the story of the handstand because you have the Guinness World Book of Records right now for the highest handstand in the world. So I'd love to hear about, um, about how that, uh, <laughs> that feat was accomplished and... Yes, well, yes, that's an interesting story, and I'll and I'll try and keep it brief. But as a kid, I was a gymnast, so yeah. as a gymnast, I was able to do a handstand. Um, but it wasn't something that I continued doing, you know. After I became an adult, I just didn't do handstands because most adults don't do handstands, and we probably don't think we can do them. But um, I did through that journey um, spent a little while as working in the fitness industry as a, as a gym instructor, and um, so I so I did maintain a level of health and fitness even though I wasn't doing handstands. My fir the first mountain that I climbed as a wild woman on top was a little mountain in Tasmania called uh, Cradle Mountain, and when I got to the top of it with a bunch of wild women on top, somebody um, got it pulled out their camera, and this was before iPhones. It was a classic old old fashioned camera. <laughs> and said, okay, we're going to take a photo of everyone on the summit. And we each had a little solo moment on the summit. And as I went up for my turn, someone said, do I do a handstand? And I'm like, oh, well, I don't think I can do a handstand. They go, of course you can. You <laughs> used to be a gymnast. Do a handstand. Anyway, of course I did because there's a camera there and there was an audience and I thought, well, I really should make an effort. Now, the handstand wasn't a particularly good one and I didn't stay up for very long. In, in fact, I probably just almost got there. Uh, but I didn't manage to fall on my head, so that was a really good thing. Um, and from then on, it became a little ritual with, with that little group of wild women on top that every time we climbed to the top of something, I would do a handstand. Hmm. Um, so I really had had 10 years of doing those handstands. I never practised them at home. I didn't do them at yoga. I just saved them for that 
one moment and hope that I'd, you know, that I wouldn't fall on my head. By the time I was 50, I was looking for um, more kind of motivation to do things other than put a backpack on and go hiking, ways of um, continuing to keep my body youthful um, and doing the things that I could do as a kid. And, and a handstand was an obvious one. So I then started purposefully training <laughs> so that the next mountain I climbed, I was going to be able to do a handstand. And that sort of grew into this goal of doing, what if I could do the world's highest handstand? How good would that be? Uh, and at the time I was going out with a mountain guide. So we decided we'd go and climb this very stunningly beautiful mountain in Nepal, in the Everest region, uh, a mountain called Amadablam and that we would climb that mountain and that I would do uh, a handstand. So uh, fortunately, I managed to, almost didn't, but managed to get to the summit uh, and in my monster mountaineering boots and my spiky crampons <laughs> with my harness around my waist and all this bulky clothing on, I managed to go upside down long enough for, um, you know, for my Sherpa guide at the time to, to snap a photo, which became the world's highest handstand. It's actually in a record set by a company called Record Setters. Um, I did apply to the Guinness records, but Guinness didn't, wouldn't ratify any world's highest of anything for reasons only known to Guinness. Um, But the world record setters, if you looked it up, the world record setters did ratify my world's highest handstand. And it was at nearly 7,000 metres on this very beautiful um, Amadablam. Incredible. I've done a bit of hiking in Nepal myself and trekked to Everest Base Camp at a time where Fantastic. I was feeling in my life very, um, very unwell in a lot of ways. And yes. I think that the jumping into an extreme um, adventure and something that will really just shake you up. I think it can be a powerful tool. It's not to say that all women to be adventurous need to climb those mountains, uh, 7,000 peaks or, or do anything that grand. But I think that if you really want to change your life, sometimes, uh, you know, jumping into uh, freezing cold water and just really shaking off those cobwebs uh, can mm. can be hugely transformative. So I mm. love that you had that experience of just going going for something that was really, um, uh, really bold. Um, and that yeah. was my experience too, that coming down from yeah. the mountain that I climbed, um, I felt this new power, this new motivation to do many things in my life uh, that, that would change my life in a really, really healthy way. And I love how you talk about the importance of mental health, because mm. so much of the outdoor adventure and travel industry is focused on, um, on physical physical strength and health and and there's an image of the kind of person a very athletic usually fit person who can do these kinds of uh, treks and what I'm noticing more and more with the kind of women who are going on our adventures is the mental strength can be as important as the physical Um, and so women who are really nurturing their mental health and giving giving that uh, care to taking care of their emotional and their you know their mental being is is also as important as 
strengthening your physical muscles and um, and having that kind of uh, that kind of practice. You you've talked about how to avoid a midlife crisis, and I, I have to admit I'm <laughs> I'm in that midlife zone, and <laughs> I would like to avoid uh, a midlife crisis. Um, so. Any advice for <laughs> for somebody who is in that? And I mean, I'll just share for myself that um, you know I'm in in my mid 40s and I'm turning that corner in my mind and, uh, yeah. and and wanting to look forward. So, how do you coach women and invite women into um, into a, a journey of? being really healthy mentally and and how do you um how do you encourage that because i think that there are a lot of women myself included who get to this stage of life and and they want to feel positive and they want to feel strong and healthy and um and they want those kinds of uh invitations to to do things that aren't about creating more pressure or stress or judgment but really want want to feel um yeah want to feel positive in a healthy way so how do you support that that's a great question. Wow. Um, and it's the big question. Um, it's interesting because it, I have talk, talked about my midwife crisis um, and, how, and then, of course, then how to avoid it. What's interesting about that idea is that what we know from human behaviour and a desire for behaviour change um, is that you're quite often not motivated to change your behaviour until something serious happens. And in your instance, you had health issues that motivated you to go, oh, I've got to make some changes. I can't live like this anymore. So it was your, it was your illness or your, your lack of wellness that motivated you. For me, it was my mental health um, where I knew I had to do something to change my life that motivated me. So while there's merit in the idea of considering avoiding a midlife crisis, the positive benefits of a midlife crisis is that they can sometimes be the catalyst to make you change what you're doing. And we only have to look towards both science and, and stories where we hear other women's stories to, to see that there is a number of um, daily practices as well as lifestyle learnings that you can do as a human organism to keep yourself with op at optimal mental health. And as you said, there's physical health, then there's emotional health, um, and then there's mental health. And I think they're three different things, but they're all related. Uh, so I talk a lot about these things called rituals of joy. Um, and at one end of the continuum, you've got your big adventure challenge. You might be going to Antarctica or you might be going to do a bungee jump or something, something that motivates you to go, hey, look, if I'm really strong and strong and fit, like you said, what, what you see in the brochures, if I've got that strong physical body, I'll be able to go and do it. Um, but what you also have to have is a level of mental toughness and resilience to go and do that. But having that goal or that purpose motivates you to do some daily habits that you might not otherwise want to do. And those little daily habits are the rituals um, that I call rituals of joy. And they're things like love, move and nourish. So love is connection. And we know that human beings at the core of our happiness and our mental health is connection with other humans. And what you what you do with Wild Women Expeditions is you connect women, you bring them together in an environment where they nurture each other and they can step outside their comfort zone in the safety of a little community. And that's how women thrive. So, so that love piece, that connecting piece is a really key thing. If you don't have that in your life, 
you have to go find it. And if you want to avoid a a midlife crisis, you need to get that piece sorted. And there are things that you can do to do that. It doesn't just accidentally happen. You have to reach out and, and, and make those connections. The second thing is moving. And we've already spoken about the importance of moving. I don't believe, and if you look at research, this would be proven, that you can have good flourishing mental health if you don't move your body because the physiology of your body is connected. Uh, and there's a famous neuroscientist called John Medina who wrote a New York bestseller book called um, Brain Rules. And chapter one of Brain Rules was exercise. And he says, you can't have a healthy brain unless you move your body. The whole reason you've got your body is to carry your brain around so it can learn stuff. So you need to move your body if you want to avoid a midlife crisis because because it's connected to your happiness and your mental health. Um, and the third the third thing um, which is really key is nourishing. And nourishing is the, is the food you put into your body, but it's also the other things that you do to nourish yourself, like meditation and breathing and sleep um, and laughing. Um, and all those other wonderful things that, that, that we know, or if we don't know, we need to find to keep our mental health um, flourishing throughout life. I read a book uh, once called Younger Next Year. And so the, the, the book was presenting this very simple idea that either you're growing or decaying, you can only mm-hmm. do one or the other, no matter what mm-hmm. age you're at. Mm-hmm. So this mm-hmm. idea that if you activate the growth <laughs> and renewal um, of your body, that in in a way you can become physiologically younger. Um, yes. And it's not about the number of years you've been around the sun. And for some women, mm. old means 50. And so other women, they think yes. of it as retirement. You know, I had a conversation just a couple of uh, days ago with with a woman who says she uh, listens to this podcast uh, often and she retired and said she wants to hear more about women who have retired but are still active because there's this idea that when you get old and you retire and the two somehow are, are interconnected that you kind of go out to pasture. And so I told her that we would talk about this because mm. I I think women need to hear from women who are in that zone, um, the, the mid-60s especially, um, mm. and and have this really um, excited idea of how they are going to get better <laughs> um, and yes. more and ha- happier and healthier and younger in, in a very real sense as they age in that time when the world says you're done. So how do you feel in that zone of being better, sexier, <laughs> stronger? <laughs> um, I'm sure that you're all of these, uh, these things. Um, how does that feel claiming, I guess, the idea of being young, even though you're in that, that stage of life that, um, that the world is, is trying to kind of push you down into, into a category? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Well, I see it like I'm so excited about the future and about when I, when I retire. Um, I run my own business, as you know, so I work long hours 
uh, and I, you know, do sit a lot. And so I'm very good at making sure that every sunrise and every sunset, I'm out somewhere in nature on my bike, climbing or, or walking. But um, that idea of as you get older and you're potentially not working full time anymore is so exciting because like think of all the time you've got then to go exploring um, and do all those wonderful things that you don't have time for. I'm just kind of got this ever-growing list of fabulous things I can do. But I think that sometimes what happens is that if you do reach that age and you and you do have um, some of the what we call lifestyle diseases or chronic diseases because you haven't understood the importance of taking responsibility for your own health and actually doing some daily things that keep you keep your body and mind in top shape, then it can be a really difficult time for people because, you know, arthritis starts to set in and the body's got inflammation or maybe you've got a bit of diabetes or maybe you've got a bit of heart disease and then gradually you're on a bunch of different medications. And, you know, our society um, has a perspective that you are put out to pasture. Um, You know, you're in your purple hat and as a woman you become invisible as you get over 60. Uh, and look, I've had this discussion with my mum where I've just said, look, oh, there's no way I'm going to be, I'm not ready to be invisible. I don't want to ever be invisible. Um, and I'm going to make damn sure I'm not invisible. And I'm going to do that by ensuring that I keep a sense of purpose in my life. Uh, because the reason that we are here is to help others. And when you stop thinking that you have a role in helping others, I think that's kind of the beginning of the end. And if you truly value that journey of helping others and having an impact with your life, then you have a responsibility to keep yourself healthy, fit and vital so that you can do that. Mm. Um, I can remember a few years ago, this grandmother joined our Wild Women on Top little um, trek training group. And I said to her, you know, she was in her late 60s. And I said to her, you know, Tahira, why did you join this group? And she said, because I've got grandchildren now. And she said, I want to be able to throw the ball and run around the playground with them. And she said, I realised that I wasn't doing enough physical activity to be able to do that. And I think that sort of captures it. Um, If you want to be able to um, be a beautiful grandma or a great grandma, uh, if you want to maintain your, your health and your vitality, you have to put effort in. You have to take responsibility for your health and your fitness and your well-being, and you have to do stuff <laughs> that um, that should be fun. If you find the right thing, it's fun. You know, for me, if someone said you have to go to that gym every day and pump weights, I'd go, "Oh, do I? Nah. Well, I might do it if my best buddy was there, but I don't really want to do that." But if someone says, "Hey, let's go for a sunrise walk," I'm like, "Yes, it's not a chore anymore. It's not hard." Uh, so I, I guess we've got until our 60s to discover what it is we love doing that requ- that it involves moving. And if you can't find anything, then connect it with something else. Connect it with a glass of wine on a clifftop lookout or a piece of cake, <laughs> a piece of cake by the beach or you know, connect it with something that you already relate with as joyful. Yeah. Um, and that can help you engage in those activities. Walking with women is very social. Uh, and that's why it's such a great way to maintain your health and fitness and your well-being. Absolutely. Tell me about um, Coast Trek because this is an amazing fundraising initiative that that you've been running for many years where you're getting groups of women together and you've had thousands and thousands of women doing uh 
these these walks and hikes and so you're bringing them on on these long distance treks in groups of i guess women and men but it's mostly attracting women it seems um and and you're raising millions of dollars for charity Mm. especially mental health charity so tell me about how that has has really been flourishing recently because it seems like it's growing for the reasons that you just talked about. Women want to get together with other women to motivate each other, to have these wonderful experiences outdoors, to um, encourage each other to try new things and um, and just have a lot of fun, a lot of laughs. And so mm, what's been mm. happening with Coast Trek recently and, and where do you see that going in, in your, your purpose? Yeah. With- promoting it well look coast trek is uh, coast trek was a little idea that i had um uh, to help our our clients um who walked regularly with a trainer uh we called them trek training coaches they they walked once or twice a week um as a group of 10 to 12 women in their local area with a coach so i thought well what about we create a goal that's really compelling an adventure hiking challenge that's really compelling that's in a really beautiful place that is a long distance um, that will motivate our wild women to walk with their friends over the six weeks when the coaches are on holidays. We also added in the element, and while we're doing that, what about we raise money for a charity so that that gives us extra motivation to um, to follow through with the goal. And um, it worked a treat. It turned into this magical combination of, of women getting together with their friends, walking and talking and training, uh, and then just after school went back at the end of the summer holidays, we would um, all to, as, a, as a community, we would walk 50 or 100 kilometres. They had to choose. <laughs> they wanted to do 50 or 100 kilometres along the beautiful coast of Sydney. Um, and then they could invite their friends to sponsor them. And that money went to charity. Uh, so that's um, nearly 15 years ago now. And over that time, We've had nearly 90,000 people, mostly women, walking the coast in teams of four with their friends and we've raised uh, nearly $40 million for for charity. And our current charity is a mental health charity, as you said, called Beyond Blue. Uh, What I learned um, from that was that if you uh, give, if you tantalise people with something that sounds like a fun adventure um, and they've got to do it with their friends, it's very social, but they also nurture and encourage each other and, and make sure it's a challenge, make sure it's somewhere really beautiful and make sure that they're helping someone else in the process so that for a mum that takes away the guilt that they might feel if they go off and do a three-hour hike and you know, leave the kids with dad or whatever, that that really does um, hit that little sweet spot of, of things that actually work. And our Coast Trek event, is, as you said, has gone from strength to strength. It's now around Australia. Um, and um, we're really proud of it because uh, we provide a 12-week training program um, that helps those that aren't really sure how you might go about training for such a long hike, and we go on this wonderful journey together with this community of amazing women um, and a few men. We're happy for them to bring their men. Men aren't that interested in what we do, but the women love it. Um, So, yeah, it's a really cool thing. Wow. I am so curious to know, Di, what's your next big adventure? Oh, me personally? Yeah, yeah. Where <gasps> are you? Do you have anything really juicy uh, coming up in travels or any other kind of big goals or visions for, for the next fabulous few years of, of life? 
I have an endless supply of <laughs> tell me, tell me of, of, of goals and dreams. Um, when I turned sixty, which was last year, and it was right in the middle of COVID and right in the middle of lockdown, my plan was to go and climb the Matterhorn, um, which is in the Swiss Alps. And I've got a, a good buddy who, who lives in South Africa um, who's keen to do it with me. Um, she was going to be celebrating her fiftieth, and I was going to be celebrating my sixtieth. So obviously, COVID. Um, COVID snatched that away. Um, but in the meantime, I, I have also, um, because I've done a lot of hiking for the last 20 years with a very heavy pack and carried my very heavy pack up a lot of stairs, a lot of hills and a lot of mountains, I've now got um, quite bad osteoarthritis in my knees. So um, I've taken up mountain biking um, and it's absolutely the most thrilling, exciting thing, which which fills me with joy and smiles every time I hop on my bike and I have to go down a really scary bump or down a hill or, you know, up a steep hill or across a river on my bike. So um, there's definitely going to be some mountain biking adventures um, coming up because right now we really are, we're not looking at a lot of international travel. So I've had to adapt my uh, my goals to keeping them more within Australia and even within our state um, and even within our local suburb now. Uh, but mountain biking fulfills that, um, that need right now and that desire to get out into adventure and to push my body, to keep myself strong and healthy and, and, and connect with others on the trail um, who might pick me up if I pelt over the front of the handlebars. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, I'm sure that there's so many women who would uh, who would love to uh, to ride with you or, or <laughs> trek with you or join you in, in whatever you're you're doing out there. And um, we'll have to, to talk about getting uh, getting something going up here in North America. And uh, yes, the world needs more wild women. And I, I love that what you're doing is creating such a strong community of of women who yeah are just looking for that invitation and you um you give it so beautifully and it's so encouraging so how can women connect with you and your offerings and if women want to join coast check uh in australia now and hopefully hopefully it will be growing to other parts of the world but um how can women um connect more with you and get inspired yeah look um we we, we are very much um all about connecting coaching and championing women in the outdoors and we have a website and it, it, if you google wild women on top that's all you need to remember all four words wild women on top.com you'll find our website and that will uh that will, uh, you know, basically um, invite you into a bunch of different things, uh, whether it's our newsletter or one of our events or once we're back to international travel, one of our um, international adventures. We, we're very excited about the future and the possibility of bringing our Coast Trek um, experiences to Canada um, and that, that is definitely on our strategic plan. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, we, we do... Um, really love to do you know using digital channels to inspire and educate uh for that for that little period while we can't do a lot of travel so yeah wildwomenontop.com wonderful it was so good to chat with you and i feel like i need to immediately go outside now and go for a nice, <laughs> nice long walk or get on my bike or go jump on a yes. trampoline for a while. But, um, but just talking to you is certainly uh, giving me a little kick in the butt to go out and move my body. So yeah, um, I got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, Di. 
Thank you. Lovely to chat. <laughs> Have fun. Thank you. You too. Cheers. Like what you're hearing? Head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you tune in and hit subscribe, rate, and leave a review. You don't want to miss out. Wild Women Expeditions is a global leader in women's adventure travel. And we're so much more. We're nature lovers. We aim to empower women and communities around the world. Want to know more? Check us out at wildwomenexpeditions.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram.